And so we'll go to the communion meditation, and it is in John chapter 14. And I'll read starting at verse 25. So John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and pray that you would awaken our minds um, and fill us with a desire to know this truth more and to live it out more completely. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I had originally intended to cover to the end of the chapter seven verses, but this is a really jam-packed with um, interesting thoughts, and I just didn't really want to uh, blow through them without giving them, I think, the significance that they need. Uh, verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, uh, and what is emphasized here is his entire earthly ministry. And so we know that he's now 33 years old, he's going to die here in a day or two, and this is referred to, Christ's earthly life is referred to as his humiliation. And so it was very humbling for Christ in all of his glory to set that aside and to come down to this earth to be born into a human body. Not to be sinful, but yet to be immersed in a sinful world and do that all for our sakes. Later, in our series, and we won't get there for a bit, so I'm going to read the verse from John 17:5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So see, Jesus is the only human who ever could look beyond time into eternity past and into eternity future. We don't know how in his natures this was reconciled. It certainly wasn't his humanity that allowed him to do that. Obviously, it was his divinity. And yet, as a man, as an earthly man, he could look back into eternity past and look forward to returning to that glory that he had with the Father in heaven. Now, all think about this. As we're covering this, these final hours he has with his disciples, all of history, and I'm not talking about just human history, although that's part of it, but the whole history of the world revolves around this point in time where Jesus is about to return to glory. And so this 33-year period is this fulcrum in our existence, in our world, to where it made sense of everything before it and it makes sense of everything after it. And so PHF, I felt, really does draw this out every year when we go there. We focus on earthly history, but yet it's always anchored in Christ. All of our history is meaningless apart from Christ. And that's why it's so easy for historians to get it wrong. If you don't know God, 
it's really hard for you to be a good historian. You just become kind of obsessed with all of these inconsequential dates and events that you can't understand apart from recognizing that history had this decline to the point of Christ's entry into history and since then this climb out of that basement that we had gone into. And so the next verse says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So see, we don't sometimes think of it like this, but we homeschool and so we call our, our moms teachers. And the dads are referred to as principals. Sometimes it's uh, kind of a, a name without too much significance because their involvement isn't as great as we would want. As a dad that wasn't that involved, I can admit that. And I encourage the dads to be more involved. It is very rewarding. And yet, I just came through this class with some of the young people here. I was a teacher in that phase. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He teaches us. He's a teacher. And so there are really two roles that the teacher does. The teacher introduces the material to you, teaches you, but then what is, I think, sometimes forgotten is that the teacher then keeps reviewing and reminding. And so a teacher probably spends a lot more time reviewing and reminding than really doing that initial teaching of new material. And those of us who went to public school, probably many of us that are older, know that school was very repetitive. We often refer to it as boring because of the repetition. And yet, it drills it into us. Often we don't learn except through repetition. That's why we, to memorize a catechism question, you have to be drilling yourself in it. Read it, recite it, memorize it. Pull it up a, a, a week from now, a month from now. So see, school fills our minds with information, sometimes information that we don't understand. Christ's disciples were in school. It was incredibly intense, this mentoring-apprenticeship relationship. And they learned many things that they couldn't use at the time. They didn't understand its significance. They didn't really even understand what it was, was that was going on. Yet, here Jesus is promising that the Holy Spirit is going to draw into their minds the significance of what he's drilled into their minds already. It's in there. It just needs to bear fruit. It just needs to come out and be applied. And then, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this, I believe, is a very heartfelt farewell from Christ to his apostles. And he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So he's leaving peace with them, and it is a gift. It's something that he's giving them. We've, you're all very familiar with this. Uh, several of us have preached on it. Philippians 4, starting at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses under all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So see, the peace that Jesus leaves with us is a supernatural peace. 
It is a guard of your spirit. It protects you when you're weak. And yet, Paul points out in Philippians that it's something that we're engaged in. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. That's part of it. That's part of uh, acquiring this peace that came through the Holy Spirit. So we're not entirely passive in this. It's not going to benefit us unless we actually appropriate it. And we appropriate it through prayer and through sacrificing all of our anxieties on the altar to God. It's a good deal. We give God our anxieties and our fears. We cast them upon him and he grants us this supernatural peace that guards us, that keeps our spirits strong. So see, Christ's life on this earth, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, they're all part of history. These are all parts of history that we have recorded in the Gospels. There was one more element, though, that occurred to Christ after his ascension that is part of history, but it's not part of earthly history, and that was his coronation. He was exalted back into glory, and he was ordained as king over all of the earth, all of heaven, and so there was a celebration. And it's that that I know Pastor Kaiser has alluded to in the lead up to his death and his uh, ascension. That's why Satan was so upset about this. And we'll get to that more next time because uh, Satan's role is in the next portion that I didn't want to cover today. But Jesus deposed Satan. He refers to him as the prince of the power of this world, the prince of this world. And yet he was deposed from that position that he really didn't deserve, but that he certainly deserved to be deposed from. So our Holy Spirit, Christ is in heaven, but our Holy Spirit, our comforter, our teacher is here with us. And he brings to remembrance, not just as a memory that comes up, but he's also guiding us. When we pray to God, we pray, God, I'm part of your creation. Control me. Remind me of things. Have them pop into my head. See, we think it's all us doing that. That it's just neuro, uh, these neurons firing in our brains through the synapses. But no, God can control that. We ask him to do that for us, to bless us in that way. And so then there is this supernatural peace after all that's been dealt with, where you've done what you wanted, this supernatural peace that God can bestow upon you and have you enjoy. And so that's what we seek. That's why we come to the table every week, to be reminded of the fact that this connects us to God, to the supernatural, to what we can't see and, and touch. So let's pray. Lord, we ask you to... Uh, accept all of our cares and anxieties, all of our fears, our frailties and our failures. And we pray, Lord, that you would absolve us of guilt for these. Exalt, uh, exalt uh, your name, exalt your sacrifice and your uh, accomplishment in conquering sin on the cross. 
we want to exalt in that too, Lord, and we thank you for the fact that your Holy Spirit uh, brings that to our remembrance. And so we pray now that as we enter into your presence, as we partake of uh, this that is uh, both symbolic and real in nourishing us and nourishing us in body and spirit, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified. We thank you for your presence with us now and always. In Christ's name, amen.